Welcome to Clear Thinking Out Loud, written and narrated by Mark Tyrrell of Uncommon Knowledge. Hi, I'm Mark Tyrrell of Uncommon Knowledge and welcome to seven powerful ways to help your client overcome relationship insecurity. So you and I know that a healthy, loving, secure and mutually respectful relationship shelters us from life's storms and gives us uh, solace, stimulation and support in life. So healthy relationships are good for us. And you can see reference one on the written, written uh, article around this. But what if some evil, destructive weed planted in the soil of past experience is choking the peace of mind, the love, the fun and true intimacy out of your client's relationship? What if your client is feeling so insecure that their insecurity itself, the fear that something is or will be wrong in the relationship, is the only thing that is wrong in the relationship? Seeing problems where there aren't any is in itself a problem. And of course, genuinely insecure people know this, but knowing it doesn't help them. And it's tempting to try to reassure insecure people that everything is fine, But being in a relationship with a really insecure person is not fine. Constantly reassuring someone who won't or can't be reassured is exasperating, innovating, and ultimately futile. And of course, what your client really needs is to be able to reassure themselves and also to feel less need for reassurance in the first place. So take Holly, a client of mine from way back. And uh, she really found that insecurity was damaging her relationship. And she said to me, I'm going to destroy this relationship if I carry on like this. And this is the best relationship that I've ever had, she told me. And she was with someone called Paul. And she said, Paul is a really loving, gentle, decent guy. And she said that she really did love him. But she was constantly worrying about how the relationship was going and monitoring it. And, you know, she felt that she had to keep checking on him and check, you know, how he was feeling all the time. And she said that yesterday, for example, I must have asked him at least 10 times what he was thinking. I know it's driving him nuts, but I just can't seem to stop. So Holly's previous relationships had not been great. You know, she'd been cheated on and even abused and hurt in a previous relationship. Her faith in relationships was shattered, even though she badly wanted this one to work. So it was a classic case of once bitten, twice shy. So I managed to help ease Holly's anxieties so she could start to feel more secure in her relationship and more confident and optimistic. As she began to feel better, she started giving the relationship room to breathe and she began to trust again and be less clingy. So here are a few of the um, strategies I used with Holly, and they might help you too when treating insecure clients. So number one, remind your client what's really going on. Okay, being careful with what you say. Okay, so don't talk in terms of their anxieties or their worries, but rather talk to them in terms of their imaginings, what they've been making up. Now, this is not to dismiss or belittle the very real pain and anxiety they've been uh, experiencing, uh, but it is to remind them what the reality of the situation is, what they're actually doing. So instead of asking, for example, um, when you get these overwhelming anxieties and fears, how does it make you act uh, towards your partner? 
I would ask Holly questions like, okay, so how has the stuff that you've been making up in your head about this been making you act towards him? Okay, this might sound like a small, trivial point, but it really gets to the heart of the situation of what's actually going on. It helped Holly to see her emotional patterns more objectively. It also prepared the ground for the technique I used with her, uh, which I'll describe next. Okay, so number two, help them know what's real as distinct from what's imagined. So I don't know whether you've ever had a dream in which you've uh, someone that you know was bad to you in some way in the dream, and then you've woken up feeling angry with that person who was bad to you in the dream, but they haven't been bad to you in real life. And so, so the dream was pretty convincing. You know, imagination is sometimes called daydreaming, and it too can fool you into believing in its own narrative, its own script. Okay, you imagine some something about someone, then you feel a real emotion towards them. When, and only when, I felt I'd developed a deep enough rapport with Holly, I suggested she close her eyes, and then I suggested that on the count of three, she could just imagine the sound of me clapping my hands once. Okay. And we did this, and I counted to three, and then she imagined the sound of me clapping my hands together. Then I asked her to imagine it again. But this time, after the count of three, I really did clap my hands together. What happened then, I asked her. And she said, well, you you really did clap your hands. That wasn't me imagining it. And I said, yes, and you can be very good at knowing the difference, really knowing the difference between stuff you make up in your head and reality. And you can be confident in that difference. Okay. And this could be a surprisingly powerful realization because we don't want to lead whole lives just approaching reality through our what stuff we've made up in our heads. So for many people, it falls into the category of unknown knowns, what you know that you don't even know you know. Okay, sorry to get all Donald Rumsfeld on you, but it was, you know, that was an insight of his, maybe the only one. So it's empowering to move the ability to distinguish uh, reality and fantasy into the category of a known known, something that you know you know, and therefore can deliberately choose to do. Am I making this up? or not? What's the evidence for this? You're really on your way to overcoming insecurity when you know that you know how to tell the difference between imaginations and realities. It's a really key point. Also inherent in this exercise is the idea of having to wait calmly sometimes when discerning what is real from what we've just made up in our own minds. Okay, so we used it as an instigator for Holly to explore the idea further, to enable her to trust her imagination less automatically, so she could trust her relationship more. So she stopped doing so much of, I know what he's thinking, or he must hate me, or, you know, just assuming the imagination is um, correct. But these approaches can only really have a chance to work well if we also remember the next tip. So tip number three Help your client relax. Relationship insecurity is fueled by anxiety and habit. So we need to help our clients learn to associate having thoughts about their relationship with physiological calmness, feeling calm. Strong emotion sends the imagination into overdrive, causing us to become convinced that what we've uh, just made up in our heads is a true reflection 
of reality because emotion is very convincing. The emotion of a dream can make you wake up feeling actually angry with the person who was bad to you in the dream. That imagination is very convincing. This is the emotional, emotional equivalent of a dog chasing its own tail. The tail moves because the dog chases it. The dog chases it because it's moving. So helping our clients relax while they're thinking about their relationship is extremely empowering because it helps them stop just seeing everything through the lens of distorted emotional agitation. And Im- imagination gets to butt out for a while. I mentioned that relationship insecurity is partly driven by habit. And the next tip addresses a particularly toxic insecurity habit. So tip number four, help your client quit mind reading. Okay, assuming or being certain that we know what someone else is thinking because we can imagine what they might be thinking is a sure way to break rapport with them. It's guaranteed to make them feel misunderstood by you. Assuming we know what someone is or must be thinking when we really don't is called mind reading. Okay, so I reminded Holly that every relationship needs room to breathe and use the analogy of a garden needing to be tended, but not every two minutes. A bit of watering the flowers is great. Watering your flowers 24-7 won't do them any good. And I suggested to Holly that it's uh, a mistake to assume that just because someone isn't talking to you right now, something must be wrong. You know, Holly had fallen into a pattern of starting many conversations with Paul, her partner, with what's wrong. Not even is there something wrong, but what's wrong? She was assuming something must be. And not surprisingly, Paul had started to withdraw further and further away from her because of all this interrogation, which made him feel that she didn't trust him to speak his own mind or didn't even know his own mind. I taught Holly how to relax with letting Paul have more privacy with his thoughts or lack of thoughts. You know, we're not always thinking uh, deep things and to tolerate the uncertainty of not having to know all the time, and to remember that many men relax by not talking. Okay. Tip number five, focus on the differences. Holly, like many uh, recovering relationship insecurity sufferers, had been hurt in the past, and in the same way that someone may come to fear all dogs because they were bitten by one particular dog, she felt unable to trust in the present time. The part of the brain that processes threat tends to try to keep us safe in future by erring on the side of caution and overgeneralizing the threat. And it does this by making us overgeneralize the threat from a specific event or experience or collection of experiences. Okay. So I got Holly to write down all the ways in which Paul was different from her abusive, cheating ex-partner. I then encouraged her to relax and, while in trance, really reflect and absorb those differences and ponder the true nature of trust. Tip number six, help them avoid the certainty trap and trust properly. Holly and I spent some time talking about how trust is faith, not certainty. People often misunderstand this. It's vital to know that even the most trustworthy person can't ever prove 100% that they are 100% trustworthy. Doubts can always be created around anything and anyone in life. Having to know for sure whether someone can be trusted is like having to know for sure that the sun will rise tomorrow, 
before it actually does. Now, we're not talking about blind faith here. You have to look at your experience, you know, what has consistently happened in the past. Okay. You don't have faith in somebody that they're honest when they've continually stolen from you in the past. But so all you can do on one level is go by your past experience. That's, you know, it's always shown itself to be reliable thus far. You know, has the person been reliable up to this point? And have faith informed by your observations of the past that they can be trusted in the future. Um, and of course, everybody will, can still be disappointed sometimes. That's, that's as much certainty as anyone can have. Okay. And that's fine. Tip number seven, help them spread the risk. At the heart of relationship insecurity lies pessimism, a lack of any faith that the future can be a good place to be. Is he or she going off me? This is too good to last. You know, the kind of sort of stereotypical thinking. Okay. And this leads to the desperate compulsion to keep checking. What did he mean by that? No, but what did he really mean by that? So Holly, like many others uh, that I've treated over the years, actually felt that if Paul abandoned her, it would be the end of everything. Okay, I asked her, you know, what would it mean if he actually left you? And she, to her, it was like the end of the world. And she realized with a jolt that she'd been feeling as if it would really be the end of the world if they parted. Okay, that this hidden, this unconscious assumption was truly within her. If you feel that one thing in your life, like your relationship, is everything, then you're bound to be terrified at the feeling that it might end. So I got Holly to remember all the other parts of her life and encouraging her to develop and maintain interests and friendships outside of her relationship. I got her to imagine the terrible what-if itself, which sounds contra uh, intuitive and to imagine herself being really upset, but surviving, being okay that the world didn't, isn't ending and that she can go forward in her life. And this was incredibly powerful getting someone to imagine, okay, if it ends, imagine being okay with that. When someone really fears something, they avoid it in their mind, but you can ask them, okay, so if that did happen, what sorts of things would you do to help you get through that difficult time? Notice how you framed it as a difficult time, not as a disaster or a catastrophe or the end of the world. So really help them focus on all their resources and what they've learned in life so far that would help them get past that time with the inherent idea that it's a, something they would get past. So paradoxically, we can help them uh, feel more confident by thinking about the possibility of something going wrong if we also help them feel confident that if the worst did happen, it wouldn't actually be the worst and they'd be able to manage it. Nothing in life is certain and being able to relax with the uncertainties with the confidence that whatever happens, I'll be okay, is true emotional security. People often seek that emotional security in the wrong place by asking for a certainty that doesn't exist unless you're completely outside of time and space and can see all that has and will ever happen, then that kind of certainty isn't going to happen. Holly and Paul's relationship improved. Holly felt more secure and Paul felt closer to Holly because of her increased security. So he felt more intimate with her because she was truly more intimate with him. So I hope you found that useful. I'm Mark Terrell of Uncommon Knowledge. And if you'd like to subscribe to my email newsletter, you can find it over at unk.com slash blog. That's U-N-K 
dot com slash blog. Mm-hmm.